0: The Sports sports dance. Dance. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Sports Dance. My name is Greg, and if you're wondering why I sound a little bit different today, well, I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm having technological difficulties, and when I say that, I mean I left for Memorial Day weekend, thought I had my laptop charger, and I did not. So I'm doing this all on my phone, because that's how dedicated I am to all of you and making sure I get my stance out for all of you to hear. Yeah, that's right. This is all being done on my phone, because technology is awesome. And if it wasn't, well, you'd be hearing a repeat or some other show at this point. But I'm here, I'm here to give you all my stances on the NBA Finals which haven't even started yet, but we have a good idea of who's going to be there, the Stanley Cup Finals, and what's going on in baseball, because apparently there is something in the New York water that is not happening anywhere else, but we'll get to that in a little bit. And for this week's Boo, You Suck, which is going to be a little tricky, going to do some phone magic to get it all work, you're going to enjoy what it is, at least if you're a Bears fan, Lions fan, or Vikings fan. little teaser for you. All right, so let's just get right into the NBA playoffs because clearly that's the big topic right now. That's what's hot in the streets. That's what everybody's discussing, at least on all the talking head shows. And we'll start with the Warriors versus that team from Portland. Because let's be honest, the Trailblazers just don't really deserve to be mentioned at this point. They lost in four games despite having 17-point leads in three of them. That's right. Think about that. 17-point leads in every single game, and they could not win one of them because apparently it never hit Dame time. Damian Lillard, yes, he had a separated rib. You know, you give him props for playing. But if you're going to play and you're going to go through all of it, we're going to expect you to play at the same level as you can because if you can't, you shouldn't be playing. That's just how it is. You're going to face criticism. if, Despite injury. If you do not play up to your standard. And when you have. No Kevin Durant. And in game 4 no Andre Iguodala. So you're literally facing. Steph. Clay. And Draymond. You should pull out a win. I get it. Those guys are all stars. Some of them are all NBA teamers. All defensive team guys. But. When you only have to really control three of them, and you have almost fully healthy squad, you should pull out at least one win when you have a 17-point lead at some point in the game. You know what they're going to do. They're going to hit three-pointers. They're going to move the ball, open threes. It's all it is. That's all the Warriors do. They're not a drive-the-lane type team, especially when Kevin Durant is not there. They're a drive and kick out. All you had to do was stop it, and you couldn't. And you know who I feel the worst for? Seth Curry. He finally had a chance to maybe, you know, show Big Brother that he can keep up. Yeah, Seth had some good games. Let's not get that wrong. He had some good games. But, in the end, it didn't really matter. Especially when you look up the matchup between the two of them, where Steph completely dominated Seth. And you just realize... Big Brother, most of the time, always wins. Especially when Big Brother is Steph Curry. I mean, he stepped up his game in this series. Because I, like a lot of others, really harped on him in that Rocket series. Because he did not look like a two-time MVP. He was giving the ball to KD, letting him do what he wanted to do. Not really trying to take any control of the game. KD gets hurt. Everybody thinks the Rockets... Probably have a good chance now, especially with how Steph had been playing. He stepped up. He went back to old Steph. He dropped 30-plus points in every single game, which if you're a star player, that's what you need to do for your team, game in and game out in the playoffs. Because you know, if guys like LeBron and KD were not putting up 30-plus points, they'd be talked about nonstop. Could you imagine Kobe in a playoff game not putting up 30-plus points? I feel like people of the world would be falling, the sky would be... Falling and people wouldn't know what to do. But Steph did what he had to do. He stepped up. Did what he did. Made people look like fools. And the Trailblazers apparently never had a shot. Because every single game you saw it coming. Third quarter, if Blazers had a lead. You knew it was going to be gone. To put it in perspective, Richard Jefferson, who one of the, you know better players to play in the NBA the past decade, every time the Blazers had a 17-point lead tweeted out saying, this game's still 50-50. How many times do you think somebody can think a game is 50-50 when the number three seed has a 17-point lead late in the game? At halftime, even. You should not be thinking the Warriors still have a chance. You should not be thinking any team still has a chance. But that's what Everybody knew. Everybody knew it was coming. Every single game. They would just wait for it. The run's coming. They're not going to stop it. And they didn't. Four games sweep. Really boring Western Conference Finals, which now gives the Warriors plenty of time to get healthy. Except reports have come out saying Kevin Durant may not be healthy for the game. He may not be back for the finals. As much as they hope he will be, at least at the beginning, they don't plan on him being there. Which, does it really make a difference at this point? Doesn't look like it. The Warriors are 31-1 in the past 32 games when Kevin Durant doesn't play and Steph Curry does. That's pretty good. Doesn't seem like they're missing much, whereas in the reverse, they've at least lost 10-plus games when Curry has been out compared to Durant. So it's interesting. It will make for one interesting summer, I will give you that. We will get to a little bit more about the summer stuff in a few minutes, though, because there's somebody on the Warriors who just had a very big blow to what their contract could look like this summer. Man, I'm getting good at these teasers, aren't I? All right. So let's look at the Bucks and Raptors who are actually giving us a conference finals worthy to discuss. They had games four and five over the past week and probably game three, too, because I'm just terrible at counting and remember when the games were, but They've had a few games. The series is now 3-2 to two Raptors. I know. Said the Bucks were going to win. It's not looking too good right now. But hey, Drake Kerr still has time to kick in. Right? Still got time. It's still out there. He's still talking it up. It may have kicked in last night. You want to know why? After the game, Drake said Raptors are going to be going to the NBA Finals. They haven't punched the ticket yet, Drake. Slow down. They haven't done it. Is, you're rushing this like you rush things with Rihanna. Yeah, that's right. I went there. But Drake curse may have just been put on right then and there. We'll see what happens in Toronto on Saturday. But the series, you know, it looked like it was going to be all Bucks this whole time. They take the 2-0 series lead. Then the Raptors win in double overtime. Giannis has a bad game. And you're like, okay. Alright. This could happen. He's allowed to have one bad game. And then... You're like, let's see. Let's see what happens in game four. Game four. Blowout. Raptors come out. Just crush the Bucks. Giannis puts up 25 points. And you know, he's been putting up around the 20 point range in the mid 20s, which is very good. If you're the number two guy, we discussed this before. If you're the number one guy on your team, you need to get up into the 30s to give your chance a team to win every single game. Especially because looking at the Bucks and Raptors right now, one supporting cast is really pulling their weight and one isn't as much. The Raptors supporting cast is actually doing very well. Fred Van Vliet, or however you say his name, is hitting three-pointers. Sergey Ibaka, who, yeah, he's a reserve. He was a starter for years, but he's doing what he needs to do. Marcus Sauls hitting three-pointers. He's looking like Brook Lopez in game one. And Kawhi Leonard is actually getting some breaks now, which we talked about it last week. He needs those breaks. You cannot expect a guy to go out and play 48 minutes straight, no matter how good he is. So Giannis said they're not going to fold, but he needs to step up in game six. He needs to put up a triple double because that's what his team needs. He needs them to really show that they are not going down without a fight, but he needs to be a part of that. You can't, I know in that game, the double overtime game, he had 12 points and a bajillion rebounds. He had it in the 20s in the rebound set category. You know, great for that. But your team needs points. Rebounds are great. You're going to get your 10 plus rebounds every game. You need to score, though. You need to drive the lane, kick it out. Your guys need to hit three-pointers. They missed over 103-pointers across the first four games. Not going to be how you win any games, especially if you make it to the finals and face the Warriors. Because guess what? They're not missing over 103-pointers in four games. I can tell you that right now just not going to happen. Do I want to see a Warriors-Raptors finals or Warriors-Bucks? still want to see the Bucks in it. I think they would give the Warriors the best challenge, but who knows? Who knows at this point? Very hard to predict what's going to happen. And then lastly, as I was talking about earlier with the Warriors and contracts in the summer, NBA... Teams came out yesterday. And what I mean is first, second, third teams. You know, first team, not that surprising, you had guys like Harden and Giannis, MVP candidates, Paul George. Second team, you had Damian Lillard, Kyrie Irving, guys like that. Third team, LeBron James even made it despite missing a bunch of time. Wish there were going to be some people that moan and groan about that, but hey, he was averaging 25-8-8 eight eight over the games he played. That's a... It's a pretty good stat line, especially for a 34-year-old. One guy, though, that missed the teams and is going to really affect him this summer is Clay Thompson. He was asked about it when it came out. They were at their practice, warming up, all of that. And you could just see the look on his face. His face dropped. He didn't. He didn't look angry. He looked disappointed. And basically said, you don't make it to five straight finals without a bunch of all NBAers on your team. And he's right. They have Steph and KD. I mean, I'm glad no reporter said that to him because it would have been kind of interesting to see his reaction. So I kind of wish somebody did. But you have two. And four of you have made all-star teams in the past two years. So your team is stacked. You already know this. And if you think take into consideration that going to five NBA finals is going to change how people vote on you. It's not. You already have two teammates on these teams. You're not going to see three. And if you do, it's just ridiculous. But it does affect his money. And that's why he's probably disappointed, if we're going to be honest. He's not disappointed about not making the team. He said rings matter more. He's mad because Kemba Walker made third team, which means Kemba Walker will get a supermax contract going into the summer. And Clay will not. Clay and Bradley Beal will not be eligible for Supermax contracts, which is a big deal because, one, the Warriors are probably ecstatic about this because that's less money they have to offer Clay and not the Supermax. Clay is probably mad because he won at the Supermax. I mean, it's a good chunk of money that you're missing out on. Other NBA teams also are probably happy because they can give. Enough money, but the Warriors cannot give a ridiculous large amount more to keep Clay there, so they might still have a chance to lure him away. Now the key is going to be, will the Warriors still offer Clay the max? And I'm not sure if they will. They should. If they want to keep that core together, they should. And if anything, no more than what they've done in the playoffs since KD has gotten hurt should show that. You don't need Kevin Durant to win the West. You need Steph. You need Clay. You need Draymond. And you need a supporting cast around them. Guys that can just do enough. Guys that can replace those. Sean Livingston and Iggy. Because they don't have that many more years. But. If I'm the Warriors. I'm offering Clay the max. That he can get. If they do not. is as good as gone. Because if they're trying to keep Kevin Durant and not Klay Thompson, who has been the guy that helped him get to more finals and was there to start this whole revolution of the Warriors being the most dominant team in the NBA over the past five, six years, but then that's a slap in the face to Clay, And that's how he will take it, and that's how the NBA people and fans will see it. And every other team will use that to their advantage. If they know the Warriors did not offer a max, they will flat out just say, hey, Your team doesn't value you like we value you. And you value yourself. That was a tongue twister right there. But. We think you're worth this much. We're giving you the max we can give you. And we want to build a team around you as our one guy. Which there are teams that will. Despite what you think. Clay can be a number one guy in certain cities. Don't know what those cities are yet. But he can. He'll definitely be a one or two. Whereas right now in the Warriors he's a three or four. Depends on the night. There are nights that Clay is definitely not the third option. Draymond is, but you always know it's Kade, KD, and Steph. One, two. KD stays, staying the same. It's not changing. So it will be interesting. I do think if Clay leaves, he stays in California. He either goes to the Clippers or the Lakers. I could see it the Clippers though, because right now the Clippers are looking poised to get some key guys, and they could be looking really good going into next year. But that's all I have, at least for NBA right now. We're going to go to a quick commercial break, because I have figured out how to do that right now, even with recording on my phone. So let's hear from Thrive Fantasy. Daily fantasy sports have taken the world by storm, and Thrive Fantasy is a whole new twist. Make prop picks on only the top players in each game, no more sifting through the 12th man of a basketball roster, then sit back and enjoy the action. 12Ounce Sports and Thrive Fantasy have now partnered to offer our listeners free house money to play with. Just use the promo code 12 Ounce Sports during your next deposit to receive the bonus. That's Thrive Fantasy and the promo code 12 Ounce Sports. Now go win. Alright again, that's Thrive Fantasy. Go check it out. You're gonna not regret it at all. Trust me. Now. Let's get into some Stanley Cup playoffs. Yes, it is time. The finals are here. They are set. Two teams left. One from the West. One from the East. It's going to go down starting Monday in Boston because, again, a Boston team has made a championship. And there's nothing any of us can do about it. Now, granted, like I said, I am a Red Sox fan, so I was ecstatic in October. But I am not a Patriots fan. And I'm not a huge hockey guy. We have gone over this. I grew up in New Jersey. I was a Devils fan. Most of my life, my dad had season tickets. It was awesome. Got to see many Stanley Cups. But hockey was not my first love or my second love. Don't hate me. I enjoy playoff hockey, like I've said. But Boston, sports in general, has just dominated since the beginning of the 2000s. It's ridiculous but they have made it, and then the other end, you have the St. Louis Blues, who have never won a Stanley Cup. The last time they actually made it, 1970. Who'd they face? The Boston Bruins. So, this actually has a little history with it, so it's kind of cool, but it's also a little weird that the only times the Blues ever make the Stanley Cup Finals are when the Bruins make it. Seems like a trend that people are not going to like if the Blues continue to make it. Just saying. But, I'm going to go through it a little bit. Again, I am not a hockey expertise. We save that for like the World Hockey Report. Guys like that. Because when it comes to hockey knowledge, I just know what I know and that's about it. I drink and I know things. That was a shout out for all you Game of Thrones fans out there who I know are still licking your wounds after the final this past weekend. You're going to get through it. People like me who watched How I Met Your Mother did. Terrible finales don't make the whole series. Alright? But, NHL Stanley Cup Finals. You have the Bruins. You have the Blues. Let's break it down a little bit as best as I can. Because, what type of sports show would it be if I didn't even at least give a chance for hockey? I'm not like ESPN who barely talks about it unless you're at Barry Melrose for two minutes at like midnight. We all know what I'm talking about. So, the Bruins, when you look at the tail of the tape, dominate every single category over the Blues. They score more goals per game average. They stop more goals per game average. They're better to set penalties, uh, power plays, all that. Every single category, the Bruins have the advantage, I think, except maybe one or two, and they're insignificant advantages. I can tell you right out of the gate, The biggest key for the Blues to have any chance in this Stanley Cup Finals. Which, granted, it's hockey. Everybody has a chance. You never know which way the puck is going to bounce. It's true. It could hit off a stick, hit off a skate, hit off anything, and it could just pop in. So what's always been kind of interesting to me about hockey, it's one of the few sports where luck essentially can be on your side in a much bigger way than in any other. Because you could shoot a puck that you have no chance of getting in. And it just clips the stick, changes a slight direction, goes to the 5-hole. Like, it's just ridiculous. That's why I think I love the Geico commercial so much, where they have the walrus in the hockey net. If you have not seen it, you need to look at it. Because Duncan might be the best goaltender of all time. When he's not napping. Alright, anyway, got distracted. So, the Bruins... Like I said, lead in every statistical category, especially in the playoffs. Tugorovsk has been doing amazing. If the Blues want a chance legitimately, one of the main things they're going to have to do is limit their penalties. If they do not limit their penalties, the Bruins have shown they will take advantage. The Bruins this year are a playoff best 34% conversion rate on power plays. That is ridiculous. Every... Three out of ten times they score. It's pretty good, especially when you average probably three to four penalty power plays per game, at least. So you know it's going to make a difference in at least one or two of the games. Not only that, when the Bruins are not home, somehow when they are away, they are better at power plays. How does that make sense? It doesn't. But they are. They convert 41% of their power plays when they are away from TD Garden. I know that's crazy. I had to give dramatic pause there. That is crazy to think that they convert 4 to 10 times when they are not at home. You're supposed to be worse when you're on the road. The Bruins somehow are better. And that, again, is not great. But, you gotta believe in the Blues. You know, they have a great story this year They were struggling, then the song Gloria came out of nowhere, lit everything up. If you don't know the song, it's the song that goes, Gloria, Gloria, Gloria. If you don't know from that, just Google it. But, you know, that was my American Idol moment for all of you. Hope you enjoyed. But they start playing that, things turned around, that has become their song, their thing for this playoff run. They now play it after every win. If you didn't hear it, it's kind of fantastic. They also have the good luck charm of Layla. And if you haven't seen the story, it's this little girl who has an autoimmune disease, and for a while she was not allowed out of her house or the hospital. It's essentially the only two places she's been allowed, and she's gone to go to a few Blues games, including the clincher game six in St. Louis, and she got to meet players afterwards where they told her, we're doing this for you. We're playing for you, which it just, if you don't get goosebumps from that, then do you have a soul? Maybe it was stolen soul stone. Yeah. I'm just throwing a bunch of references in here because I can, and that's what happens when you're on your phone because of technological difficulties, you kind of just start, you know, doing what you got to do. Please don't take it out on me, but getting back, back to hockey. Gotta love when you go off on tangents. Back to hockey. Like I said, the Blues have to limit third power plays that they give away to the Bruins because the Bruins will capitalize. The guy got a lot of shots on net because Tukorovsky has been standing on his head this entire playoffs. And eventually, after so many shots, one's going to have to get by him. But he has been phenomenal. Very easily will be the key for the Bruins because, you know, Bergeron and are going to score... They're going to get their shots. Marshawn's going to get under some guy's skin because he's a heel. That's what he does. If you don't know that by now, you should. I mean, ESPN has an article about his top 25 heel moments. That's how big of a heel this guy is. It's nuts. The Blues also are going to have to look for Schwartz and Tarasenko to continue dominating the scoring because they have combined for 20 goals throughout these playoffs. And the weirder thing is Schwartz becomes, I think, the first or one of the only three ever players to ever score more goals in a playoffs than the regular season. He has scored 12 in the playoffs, 10 in the regular season. It's a weird thing, but hey, he's found his mojo. He's making it work. Hopefully it can continue for him. They're also going to need Bennington to step up in the net. Compared to Tuca, he has an 833 save percentage, which not bad. But it's not great either when you're in the Stanley Cup finals. Tuka is around I think 92, like 924, something in that range. Save percentage. Pretty good. We've already said that. So definitely need the goaltender to step up for the blues. Bennington needs to, you know, earn his pay, as you'd say, and give the guys a chance at least, because if you give up a few quick goals in the first period too, two, series is as good as done. If that game's over, next game will be just the same if you let that happen. And I know, I sound like John Madden saying that. If you give up more goals than the other team, you're gonna lose. Thanks, Greg. We figured that out. But, if I had to make a prediction, and again, this is only a prediction because I'm just looking at the stats, people. I'm looking at the facts. I'm looking at what I see. Game one... I'm going to give to the Blues, strictly because I think the Bruins are going to come out rusty. They did have their own little practice round yesterday where, luckily, Marshawn had a scare with a potential injury, and he did not get hurt. But I think the rust is going to be there. They've had a record 11 days off since their last game, and that makes a huge difference. It really does. Basketball, baseball, all those sports. Getting time off, great for rest, getting your body healthy. Not good for keeping you sharp. So I'm giving the Blues the game one. But after that, not much else. I think the Bruins take the series in six. I think some close games. But I do think the Bruins are going to blow them out. In some other games, like they did against the Hurricanes. I at least hope the series goes six games. Nobody wants a sweep. Nobody wants a five-game series. Everybody always wants six games plus. That's all you can hope for. So I'm going Bruins. Boston's reign of sports dominance continues. I am sorry for everybody out there who just heard me say that, who is not a Boston fan. I can't do much about it. Again, I am only a Red Sox fan. I am not a Patriots fan, and I'm not really a hockey guy. And if I had to choose a team, it'd be the Devils. And they're not great right now. So, I feel your pain, at least in two of the three sports. Celtics were nice enough to not advance to the Eastern Conference Finals and keep that whole four-team, four-championships, one-year hope alive. So thanks, Celtics. It was very nice of you. That's all I got for hockey right now. We're going to take a quick listen to our one sponsor. And by sponsor, I mean guys that reached out to me and I've had a friendly relationship with right now, so I'm going to give them a quick shout-out with Yamble. So here's a spot for Yamble. Yamble is the brand new Sports Predictions app that lets you predict what will happen on the next play or next few minutes of a game. Place your takes on the game and rack up points as they play out. Highest scores get paid out real cash every game. It's like HQ Trivia, 100% free to download and play, with payouts each game. Just search for Yamble on the App Store or Google Play. They're running games nearly every night during the NBA playoffs, so download now and start yambling. All right, again, that's Yamble, Y A M B L E. Check it out for basketball. It's pretty cool. It's free, 100% free to try out. Just, you know, upstarting guys that want to get their name out there, trying to help them out. That's what we do here. Just try to help people out. Besides that, if you want to, another quick ad go to 12 Ounce Sports Radio, find cheap tickets, tickets as low as $5. You can't beat that. For baseball, basketball, all your sports need, go to 12 Ounce Sports Radio. Go find some cheap tickets. Take the kids out for the day. Give mom, dad breaks. You know, you never know who the stay-at-home parent is. So if one of them needs a break, take the kids out to a game. Minor league, major league, doesn't matter. It's always a good time no matter what you do. Support your local team, support major teams, all that fun stuff. Just support 12 on Sports Radio as well. (laughs) We all got to keep a job, you guys. All right. So getting into baseball is my, again, hands down, Thing I like to talk about the most just because there's always so much going on in such a long season. Sometimes it does get a little hard. It gets a little hard sometimes, but right now we got some great stuff to talk about. We're gonna start off with just for Scott from Craft Brood Sports, Austin Riley of the Atlanta Braves. Have you seen this kid? Phenomenal. I mean, he is getting given the Braves a power surge that they have needed. He's been doing it all, and he has hit five home runs in nine games, which sets a modern day franchise record. It's pretty good. Not gonna lie. Wouldn't mind him in my outfield right now. I mean, pretty good player. Austin Riley's just been doing it all for the Braves. Helped them to another win yesterday. You know, look for him for Rookie of the Year if he continues at this pace, because right now, Rookie of the Year, wide open in both leagues. You have guys coming up. Both sides you could have on the Blue Jays, two guys, because another rookie is going to be coming up in Cran- Karen Biggio. almost said Cran-Biggio. I would have been disrespectful to a Hall of Famer son. Karen Biggio, who's coming up for the Blue Jays to join Vladimir Guerrero Jr., is the son of Hall of Famer Craig Biggio, if you could not figure that out. So apparently, what I didn't realize is the Blue Jays are just where Hall of Famer's kids go. Did you guys know this? No? Okay. I wanted to make sure I was not the only one. Apparently, the Blue Jays are just like, if you were born from a Hall of Famer, you can play in our minor league system because one day you will make the team. Because now, you look at the Blue Jays lineup, you have two names you instantly recognize. Biggio, Guerrero. You think about that, you're like, oh my God, Vladdy and Craig? No. No. Their kids, but close. Fifty percent DNA. Clearly, the fifty percent they got was baseball talent. Sorry, Austin. I got to dist- Austin Riley. I got distracted by this. You keep doing what you're doing, Scott. You enjoy that. But the Blue Jays. Next thing you know, who knows? Is Ken Griffey Jr.'s kid gonna stop playing football and just be like, "Hey, you know what? Let's give this baseball thing a try." Have him patrolling center field because. At this point, why not? You could do it. You got the name. It'd be, a, it'd be kind of funny if just like the Blue Jays were like, let's just double down on this idea. If you were a Hall of Famer and you have a kid that's eligible to play baseball right now in the major leagues, we will sign him. Kind of seems to be what they're going for right now, right? It's not a bad idea. Clearly, these guys are talented. We know Guerrero Jr. can hit the leather off the ball. Imbigio does exactly what his dad did Where he hits 300 at AAA He's probably going to hopefully for his sake Do the same at the major league level That'll keep him up there But it's just kind of funny To see two recent Hall of Famers their kids It's also a little weird Makes you realize how old you are They're kids playing at the major league level It's really cool Clearly you're going to have to get Vladdy and Craig in a whole booth thing together To talk about it Because that'll just make great radio only for the fact that Vladimir Guerrero is just fantastic to listen to. So that's pretty cool, at least for the young and -and up-and-comers. Like I've said before, you have Michael Chavez for the Red Sox, who just hit his ninth home run the other night to help the Red Sox win in extra innings in Toronto. So he's been looking great. You have all these young guys really giving their teams a boost early on in the season. So it's great to see, great to see that let the kids play, because we're actually having kids play. All these young guys coming up and playing, supporting, contributing to their team. It's great to see. Other things going on. You have the Twins, who won't be the weird fact, because I do not have the ability to do all those little sounds. But weird fact. Weird fact. There you go. That was my weird fact intro. Because, like I said, don't have my technology on hand. Been able to figure out the commercials, but I can't do the little sound bites. But the Twins have hit a record pace so far for home runs. They hit eight home runs yesterday against the Angels. Let that sink in for a second. Eight home runs. If you love seeing the long ball, you got a treat yesterday if you were in Los Angeles, Anaheim. Eight home runs is just crazy. And they've hit 98 home runs through their first 49 games. They're on pace right now, if they keep this up, to shatter, not even just barely get by, shatter the team record for home runs in a season. They are on pace for 324 home runs this year. The record... 267 by the Yankees Last year That would be Ridiculous That's 60 plus more home runs In one season By a team That's 3 more guys 20 plus home runs And the weirdest thing is going to be I bet you not one guy on that team Hits 40 plus home runs It's just everybody Hitting them out Not just one guy Everybody so that's why it's a weird fact. Thought that was, thought that was pretty good. I could totally be a soundboard person. Alright, so now the main thing I wanted to talk about with baseball this week, after getting through all those short things, I have one more other, but the main story I wanted to go across, if you didn't see it's about a guy named Carter Stewart. If you don't know who Carter Stewart is, it's alright, I'm about to tell you. He's a 19-year-old kid who last year... In the draft went number eight overall to the Atlanta Braves. Pretty good. You expected him to maybe take that deal, be in the minor league system right now. He didn't do that. Why? He felt pretty much like a slap in the face from the Braves when his slot being the number eight pick, bonus should have been 4.98 million or somewhere in that range. You know, 4.7, 4.5 to 5. Somewhere in that range should have been what his signing bonus was for being the number 8 overall pick in the draft. The Braves instead offered him $2 million in signing bonus because they had injury concerns. Now I get it, if you have concerns about a guy and his injuries, you may not want to, you know, give him a bunch of money in signing bonus money. But, you didn't have enough concern that you took him number 8 overall in the draft. Now, this is where I have the issue with all of this, because this all situation could have been avoided if the Braves just even bumped it up to, instead of saying, hey, 4.98, we're going to give you four. We have some injury concerns. I bet you four million still would have gotten it done. But no, they lowballed it, gave him two, and of course his agent is Scott Boris. And Boris was like, no, we are not going to do that. We're not going to sign. So we didn't. Went into the draft again this year. Fell into the second round. That's not what he wants. He's a pitcher. So he's changing the game. It was just announced. He is signing a six-year deal with the, now bear with me here when I try to say this name, the Fukuoka SoftBank Hawks. They're a Japan team, if you could not tell. And he is signing with them for six years, seven million dollars. Now, the reason he's doing this is, one, he gets paid way more money than he would if he even signed the $4 million deal and then played in the minors. Because most likely, as a pitcher, you're not making it up for a few years. So you're going to maybe be paid $10,000, 30000 for a season after the after you get that signing bonus money. Most he makes is 5 or $6 million. So he's getting $7 million, And if he had signed originally with the Braves for what they wanted to, He would have made maybe only four million. So this is like at least a two to three million dollar difference at this point. Matters in life. Money matters. Especially in sports. So he signs a six year deal. Why six years specifically? Well when he's done. He will be 25. He will be in his prime. And he can go into the transfer portal. To try to get into the MLB. Now this is key because. MLB has a rule that if you play somewhere else for six years in a professional recognized league like they are in Japan, you can come out into the transfer pool and choose what team you want to sign with. If he didn't do that, he'd still be under control of whoever drafted him. So therefore, that's why you look at like the Oakland A's. If Kyler Murray ever decides to leave football, the A's have Murray's rights. If he wants to go back to baseball. Which we'll see how that goes. But anyway, we're not talking about that. We're talking about this. We're talking about Carter. So he has a chance, as long as he can stay healthy, pitch well enough, to come out and choose this team at a prime age and get a pretty nice payday, most likely. The issue that people are having is they're wondering if this will start a whole new line of players deciding to take this route, get money, and then try to get into the MLB. And it's interesting because we've seen this with the NBA, with the one-and-done type thing. We've seen guys that go overseas, try to get some money there, play with professionals, and then come back for the NBA. Hasn't always been the best. There's not one guy so far that has come back as a young kid who you've looked at and gone, smart decision. Just hasn't been. It hasn't happened, and it's fine. It's going to take a few years for that first-person breakthrough. It's going to take not like a LeBron, but it's going to take somebody that's pretty good. Like, say a Steph went and did it. Now, obviously Steph is great, but coming out, Steph went to Davidson and wasn't looked at as highly regarded. He was hopefully, they were hoping, best-case scenario, he's a 2-3 guy on a team that can shoot threes. Clearly, that's not the case now. But that's the type of guy that if he went overseas and came back after a year, it'd be interesting to see how teams look at him, especially if you're successful, if younger guys would start doing that. So Carter's you know, setting a trend. Who we will only time will tell if this trend takes up takes people's interest, and if got more of Scott Boris's specifically clients decide to go that direction. Because if they do I will be curious to see how MLB teams handle the situation. Because it won't be easy trying to be like, you're going overseas, we liked him, we're going to see where he is, keep track of him, and then when he turns 25, if you want him on your team, you're going to pay more than you wanted to, and those guys in your minor league system that have worked hard to get to where they are may have to wait a few more years to break through to the major league level. It's going to cause a lot of rifts, I think, If this becomes a trend, because at some point, the minor league system will then have to be revamped. Payouts would have to be different because honestly, you want to keep your products in state in the country. You want people to be able to go to minor league games and see future talent. You don't want future talent just coming in from around the world constantly. Now, yes, that sounds weird. What I mean by that is like you still want each rose. You still want the guys. From Japan, the pitchers and players like that who are in Japan, live in Japan, to do that. You don't want guys that are here coming out of our high schools, colleges, to go from there overseas and then wait six years to come back. Because, think about a Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Perfect example. Say he left. He would have to wait six years. We wouldn't see him until he's 25. That's A few years the MLB gets without a guy like him, a face like his, to build around in Toronto and MLB in general. Be awful. Guys like Bryce Harper, all these guys who have come into the majors at 20, 21, 22, you'd have to wait three more years, four more years. You can't have that. You want certain guys to be around as long as they can. You want the Derek Jeters around. You want all these top guys who have had great careers, young age into the MLB to be around. So, it will be curious to see how this all gets handled, what happened in these situations. And again, like I said, only time will tell. So, Carter, good luck to you. Hopefully it works out. Hopefully you don't get hurt. Because if you do, hopefully Japan was worth it. All right. Last but not least for MLB, you got to talk about it. I think there's something in New York's water that is not good for players. Now, granted, look at the Yankees. Injuries have not affected them somehow. They only have 17 losses. They set the top of the AL East. It makes no sense with all the guys they have on the injured list. But if you look at the Yankees and Mets together... Wow. Like, injuries just keep piling up. There has to be something going on in that city because players are dropping left and right. CC Sabathia just went on the injured list with a bulky knee. Rob has a, a quad strain. Yeah, McNeil also for the Mets hurt. And then, last, certainly not least, Jonas Cespedes broke his his right ankle in a ranch accident why was he hanging out at his ranch doing things instead of focusing on baseball I don't know but he hurt his right ankle he just had surgery on it, he's done for the season because only for the Mets would that happen (laughs) like honestly kind of funny when you think about it but I don't know what it is going on in New York, something's in that water Somebody needs to get it checked out. These trainers' medical licenses need to be checked out because everybody is getting hurt. Cespedes in a weird situation, but everybody. Strains, all these things. Hasn't affected, like I said, the Yankees at all. But in the long run, it might, because right now you have the B-team bombers, as they're being called, and they're doing well. So, who knows, when the A-team comes back, will everything be as happy-go-lucky and dandy, and will they still keep winning? Time will tell, but this has just been weird. It's been like over 20-plus guys getting hurt between these teams. That is a lot this early in the season. either guys did not work on themselves this whole offseason. I don't know. The Cespedes thing, though, weirdest thing. There's not much detail about it. All we know... He was at his ranch. He hurt his ankle. That's really it, though, for MLB talk. I just wanted to say that New York's got something weird going on with them in general between both baseball teams. Besides that, last thing I'm going to leave you with because I figured out how to do it is uh, the boo-you-suck moment of the week. And it comes with the NFL, so instead of quick hits, it's just going to be the boo-you-suck moment. So real quick. You suck. All right, so the boo you suck moment this week is Aaron Rodgers at the Bucks game. Did you see it? You saw it. Can't chug a beer. Come on, Aaron. You can't run away from Dragonfire. Sorry, spoiler alert for anybody that hasn't seen Game of Thrones. But you can't run away from Dragonfire, and now you can't chug a beer. Come on, man. You have your left tackle downing them left and right challenges you and you can't even do it you'd slip so slowly couldn't even sounds like i've been drinking slowly you can't chug and then you wave it off when you can't finish aaron come on man that's all i gotta say about that really i just wanted to really just shame aaron Rodgers for not being able to chug a beer that's why it's just been this week's Boo, you suck All right, so that wraps it up for this week's episode. Thanks for sticking through it. Technologically speaking, there were some rough patches. When you have it on your phone and you're doing it all in one take, there might be some slurred words, as we saw. There might be some missteps, but you hung in there, and that's what I appreciate. I hope you enjoyed the fact that I made this effort to really make sure my stance got out there. Didn't want to miss a week of the show, even on a holiday weekend. Even without my charger, I figured out a way to get this to you because that's how much I care and that's how much I appreciate 12 ounce sports radio giving me this chance. And if you're listening through my podcast, if you haven't checked me out on 12 ounce sports radio or haven't checked out the other shows out on 12 ounce sports radio, you really should. They got a great lineup. I, you know, clearly I'm there, so you know, you already know there's one great show. But again, that's it for the week. Hope you enjoyed my takes. If you listen, if you want to, you know, get back to me about what you thought about all of it, find me on Twitter at sportsdance underscore. Find me at the Sports stands on Instagram and Facebook. Follow me. Talk to me. I'm always around. I'm a stay-at-home dad. If you haven't ever heard that before. But, you know, I love to talk sports. That's what I'm here to do. That's why I'm here every single Friday at 2. Enjoy your Memorial Day weekend. Have a great one. Have a few drinks. Relax if you have pool weather. By the pool. Just overall have a good time. And if it's rainy, drink inside. Watch some movies. Have a good weekend. See you all next week. Hopefully by then, well, we should know. Game 1 NBA Finals and games 1 and 2 of the Stanley Cup Finals will be in the books. We'll talk about it. That's a wrap. Have a good Memorial Day weekend, everybody. Again, I'm Greg from the Sports Dance. See you all next week. The Sports sports Stance.